Real quickly, uh, it was just really, um, I just can't shake this out of my spirit as they were um, singing the song, Good, Good Father. Um, I got the number three, and I just really felt like there's three people in here that today God is going to exceed inside of you something. He's going to heal something inside of you. He's going to switch something inside of you. And you're going to get to experience that good, good father in a way that you feel like maybe that you failed him or maybe that you've stepped away from him. I I don't know what it is. I don't know anybody's stories in here, but I feel there's three of you in here and I feel he really wants to minister to you today in that area. And that. Scripture kept coming to me. There is therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. When we are in Christ Jesus, that means we don't have to let the devil bombard us and beat us up and, and, and uh, take our minds places that, that they don't belong, that they don't, they, they don't need to be there. They don't deserve to go there. He is a good, good father. He loves us tremendously. You know, when they were singing that, one of my things that I like to envision is, is, is just crawling up in, in, in my father God's lap and just letting him hold me, letting him love on me, giving me kisses like a father would their child. You know, when, when, um, I remember two of my daughters in this stage. Uh, it was um, Kylie and Mariah. And I think they would say that, that I, I was a half-decent father. But I remember they expected something from me every night. They expected me to come into their room, come up to their bed, and pray with them. But you know, they didn't want prayers of, of, uh, they didn't want adult prayers. They wanted prayers that were from a good, good father. So I'd get up next to him and, and, and I'm sorry, this is kind of veering off, but, but I'd get up next to him and I'd start going, Lord, give them dreams of floating down a chocolate river with, and going into a gummy bear forest. And, and man, they'd just be like, yeah, yeah, that's what I want to do, you know? And I just couldn't help but think, God, I just want to crawl up in your lap. I just want to look at you and say, you're, you're my good, good father. That's who you are. There's no one like you. No one compares. No one comes close. No one loves me like you love me. Boy, it's, it's hard for me to shake that out of my spirit right now. Because I wish I was one of them three that God's going to minister to. I'm not saying he won't minister to everybody else. But there, there are three people in here that I feel like God is specifically just going to dig into your heart today. And, and he's going to do something. But more than that, he's going to reveal, he's going to reveal to you the good, good father. In a way, it hasn't been revealed to you in a while, maybe.
You know, Taylor, she never got them prayers and dreams. We were too busy raising her as our first child, so she got the switches and paddles, you know. <laughs> How many of you can t testify? That poor first kid, man. <laughs> I didn't do it. I don't care. I need practice. <laughs> I remember Taylor, Mom already spanked me. Well, I get to too, you know. But I tell you what, what, what God's wanting to do with, with uh, three people today is he's wanting to pour out that, that, that gentle kindness, loving Father. And, and I just right now, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you, Father God. I just thank you, Father, for, for just right now starting that work. I thank you for your presence falling on these people. I thank you, Father God, that you're just pouring out into these people's hearts and that it won't stop, Father God, today. It'll just keep shaking them and taking them deeper, Father God, and bringing them to more of an intimate relationship with you, Father God, bringing, bringing them closer. Father God, realizing that they can just crawl right up into your lap, Father God. They can crawl right up into your lap, Father God. And there is no rejection, Father God. There's embracing, Father God. We just thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said. Well, I'm going to try and let that go. Um, whew. Like CJ said, uh, this Friday, uh, there's going to be a worship night. And... Um, our worship nights here tend to be really, really free. Um, there's no rules to them. We, we just, we just go for it. So I would suggest if, if you like to, if you like to dance, if you like to whatever, roll on the ground. I, I really don't care. Just, just go for it, you know. So I, I, I highly recommend it coming out. And uh, we just feel like it's a new season that God's going to be start stirring here in, in, in the worship and in this body. And so come on out and join us. Um, would you mind going backstage and get me a bottle of water, someone, please? Thank you. Um, well, I want to talk briefly about putting on the armor of God. We all know that's kind of a... a a, me a message you get when you first start in Sunday school, you know, about putting on the armor of God. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to have Anais bring that up, and we're all going to read it together, okay? D does every everybody agree that they want to read it together with me? Okay, because you don't want to hear me read it by myself. Okay, is, is it up? Almost. There it is. Okay, when I count to three, let's all just start reading this together, and we're going to read it all the way through to uh, verse 17. One, two, three, let's go. That was powerful, man. I, let's do that again. No, just joking. <laughs> we're going to read that 50 times today. Um, I'm going to come from this from, well, here, here's who I am. I'm going to let you guys know who I am really quick. Um. How many know my brother-in-law, Greg Clarkson? How many would testify that he's an incredible teacher? 
Yeah, I mean, that guy can take the word it from the Bible and, and, and squeeze it five different ways and have 20 different meanings, you know? I mean, it, 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 he's just amazing. Well, what I am, uh, me and Greg was talking about this yesterday, and, and what, I'm not a, like, per se, like a teacher. What I am is an exhorter storyteller. I tell stories, and I tell good ones. By the way, I tell stories on my wife. I tell, no, I tell stories on CJ. I'm going to tell you a story about, well, you know, Cornell could testify. He played football. You put on a certain armor to play football, don't you, Cornell? You do. Um, Miguel Munoz, is he here? Yeah, there he is. He's, he's breaking into the field of welding. You put on uh, different type clothes for welding, don't you? Yeah. You, you, you kind of put on an, an armor for that. Well, I'm going to tell you about the armor of a cowboy. Many of you don't know that I cowboyed for five years. Me and Lisa are going to have differences here. Because her love for horses are not my love for horses. Lisa said she would jump up and knock me in the head if I said anything too bad about horses. So I won't. Now, okay, so, so the, I had had the privilege of, of cowboying for five years. And where I cowboyed was down in West Texas. And they believed in, in tradition and doing everything the old way. They wouldn't let you run cattle into a chute. You'd stress them out too much. So they stressed them out by roping them around the neck and dragging them to the fire and letting guys tackle them and beat them up. <laughs> it's the truth. But I remember when I first got out there uh, on this ranch, um, the ranch we were on was 178,000 acres. That, that was their smaller type ranch. I'll never forget when I went out to Sierra Blanca, Texas, and uh, that was an experience in, in their own, because when your boss says, yeah, just load your uh, saddle up in the plane, we're going to land on the highway and they'll have a horse for you there. You're like, oh, I thought we were driving. So anyways, when you get out to Sierra Blanca, Texas, they tell you, yeah, just ride for the fence corner. And then start pushing all the cattle out. How long does it take me to get to the fence corner? About three quarters of the day. And I said, what? He said, yeah, just get in a dead lope and just keep on going. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, and uh, it gets dark out there and it gets lonely. But when I, when I broke into this... I was from Oklahoma. I was an Okie boy that thought, you don't, you don't need all this ridiculous stuff these guys are wearing. This is goofy. I can wear a ball cap out here. I found out real quick the top of my ears were turning to leather. So I bought a what? cowboy hat. And it served its purpose for many years, and I went through many, many of them. So I put on that armor. I put on that cowboy hat to protect my ears because um, 
I don't think Shannon would have liked just these hard chunks of whatever, you know. And so the next thing I, I was like, there ain't no way I am wearing a long sleeve Wrangler cowboy shirt. That ain't happening. I like T-shirts. T-shirts are great, and that's what I'm going to wear. Out there, they call them shirts brush poppers, and they call them for that for a reason. Because when you dive off in the brush, and if you don't have a brush popper, heavy-duty Wrangler cowboy shirt on, you're going to come out of that brush pretty mangled. And I did. And I told my wife, I need to get some of them shirts. <laughs> so guess what I bought? Wrangler cowboy shirts, brush poppers, the heavy denim kind, not the thin stuff, man, the heavy stuff. And this stuff does not, like, breathe during the hotness. It just retains everything on the inside, you know? <laughs> So the next thing is boots. I was like, man, I'm good with my, my, my tennis shoes. I'm good with, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, I don't need boots. I found out really quick, and I mean real quick, that you needed boots, especially when you're having a choya thorn go right through a tennis shoe into your foot. And you're like, I, I, I need boots. So what did I go buy, everyone? Boots. There. There's my feet getting covered, you know. Um, I, uh, I really appreciate it. I got to talk to uh, Dell Alexander. I don't know if he's here today. He's not. But he, he comes, he's out of the Midland, Texas-type area. So me and him, we kind of knew what we was talking about here. And so um, the next thing was Legs. I was like, there is no way I'm walking around with big chunks of leather wrapped around my legs. Not going to do it. Jeans are fine. Yeah, who said that? Yeah. Yeah, jeans, jeans will protect me. I'm good. Believe me. I found out real quick I was not good. And, and and this is, a friend of mine said, here, here's a pair of chinks. Put them on. Does anybody know what chinks are? Chinks are chaps that come up to about right here. And they have fringe on them, and they look real pretty. And they're easy to move around in because you don't have leather coming up your back legs. And, and you can move around, get up and down in them things, and and just and you look cool. I'm giving you a foundation of cowboy armor here, guys, okay? Okay, so you look really good in that stuff. Well, I found out really quick, you could not ride chinks out in the brush. I found out that you had to use what they call shotgun chaps. Shotgun chaps cover everything. And they are not split leather. They are thick thick leather. So when you bend, it goes, you know, and sometimes when you bend, it just kind of holds you there and you're just like, somebody help me out of this position, you know? 
But I found out with that armor on, when you were getting kicked by a horse or by a calf or by a cow, that leather really took some of the blow, and it didn't hurt as much. Well, so here I am, and, and the last thing I have to convert to, can anybody guess what it is? No, no, no bandana, man. Never did it. What? Spurs. I said, I am not wearing spurs ever. Out there, the cowboys, oh, they, they spend a lot of money on spurs. They get them customized, decorated. They have these things on them called dingle balls that go ching, 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 ching when you walk. And, and I just thought, boy, the Indians would know where these cowboys were. And so... But, um, so anyways, I, I finally, finally realized this is saving me a lot of pain. And I'm getting up every morning because my morning started about four o'clock, four thirty. I'm getting up every morning and I'm putting this stuff on. I'm putting my legs on. I'm putting my boots on. And by the way, I, I started really getting into them shotgun chaps and started having them decorated with conchos and all that kind of stuff, you know. I mean, <laughs> Charlie, I never did the fringe, though. Okay. But, but I would get up every morning, and I would put the, the, this clothing on, these things to protect me. And really out there, it is called cowboy armor, man. Because you gotta have it. And not only do you, do you suit yourself up, you suit your horse up. You put breastplates on horses. You put chopaderos over, over, over the, the stirrups. You just, you just start doing everything you can to protect yourself from the elements. From the conditions. And, um, I never can figure out my iPad. It just shuts down, and then I have to redo it. But anyways, let me go down here. And then, then at the part that, that I really realized was my horse or horses were part of my armor. I'll never forget. i got to go side note on this. Okay, is that Okay. Anybody want to hear a side story of some cowboys that came out and didn't, didn't believe what we were telling them? Because by this time, I was like, I'm good, man. I, I know what I'm doing out here. Well, Kenneth Copeland and his son came out to work with us. And they had some high-dollar horses. Does anybody know who Kenneth Copeland is, man? Yeah. Well, the people that owned our ranch, they were friends with them and stuff. And so they came out. And they, they came out and they, we were working in a place called, um, Santa Gita at that time. And Santa Gita was about just, well, it bordered Mexico. And we had, uh, brung over 1200 head of yearling steers and dumped them on our land. And they were Mexican steers and they wanted to go home. And so when we, when we dumped them, we dumped them in the pens, and they decided they were going home. 
We rope and drug for three years out of that place and only pulled 700 of them out of it. The rest of them went home. <laughs> they were like, I'm a Mexican citizen and I'm going back. <laughs> and so, we were like, why? America's so much better. <laughs> we're going to feed you out. They're like, I know what you're going to do. See, I'm a storyteller, people. That's where I'm comfortable. All right, so, oh, the Copelands. Anyways, they came out, and um, we were unloading our horses, and, and uh, um, a lot of you might know what a Mexican horse is versus uh, like a, a quarter horse or whatever. Mexican horses are just tough beans, and they'll do whatever you want them to do, but they ain't going to like you at the end of the day. They're always going to try and bite you when you get off their back, but, man, them horses will do what you want them to do. And so I, when I knew we would be going down to the Santa Gita, I always took a couple Mexican horses with me. And so we get down there, and they unload their big, powerful quarter horses, you know, and they're, they're ready to go, and I was like, fellers, I said, you might want to put some leather around the, the, the girths of these horses, and you might want some chopaderos on your stirrups and stuff. They're like, no, we got this. And I'm telling you, the Santa Gita was a rough, rough, rough. Thorns down there were like that long. And when you dove off, you dove off into this place, and you didn't come out until you had roped something or shot something or butchered something, or you just didn't come out. And so we, we, we start diving off in there and I noticed them trying to go off in there and their horses kept jumping back on the road and they'd go off and the horses jump back on the road. And I remember I disappeared. I, I took off for a while. And, and when I came out, they had already loaded their horses. Their horses were bleeding. They were bleeding. They were like, we don't want to go back in here. This is nuts. What are you guys doing? But we had on the right armor. And we put it on every day, at least six days a week. I, I ain't kidding you. I did this for years. We rope, we drug, we cut, we branded, we, we did the whole thing, man. But we always had our armor on to protect us from the elements. And I'm going to tell you this. You could have come out and offered me big bucks for my legs, which I did trade for a Fender Stratocaster later on. But I was out of the business by then, man. So, But you could have offered me. And I would have said, there ain't no way. I said, I'm not trading my protection for anything. And when we were reading that scripture about the armor of God, guys, now I want you to know I'm speaking to myself just like I'm speaking to you guys. You know, there's a perception. Put on the armor of God, you know. I, I've heard it a couple times. Like, well, you and CJ are up at the church, man. You guys are probably pray, praying 24-7. It's easy for you to get your word time in. It's easy for you to, to you go pray and da-da-da-da. This man's got to encourage me sometimes. He's like, 
you need to spend some time with God. I can tell, Todd, you're getting kind of edgy, you know. And, and it's a choice we still have to make, is it, is it CJ, to, to go put this on? You know, one of the things um, I think about a lot when, when um, I think about st- a starting point in this, how do I make this uh, uh, a passion or a habit? How do I make this something that I know I need to do daily? That I know I need to have a prayer life. I know I need to have a word life. Now, listen, I'm not beating you up in a religious way. Forget that stuff, man. I just, religion and me, we just don't get along very well. But a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with my Father God, it takes this. It takes this. And and I do know that the world is a busy place, guys, and, and things are coming at us in tidal waves. And a lot of times it's easy to hang this in the closet and say, I'll get to it in a little while. But one of my favorite stories comes from a man that I love dearly, and that's Pastor Dale. I'm putting you on the spot, Dale. Is that okay? All right. And you all have probably heard him tell this story if you've been here long enough. But when he first started trying to have a prayer life, I love this story. I just do. He said, boy, he set his clock at a specific time, and he would get up in the morning. And the first time he did it, he got up, and he got beside his bed, and he knelt, started praying, and he fell asleep. Didn't you? Then he woke up, said that didn't quite work out well. So he changed it up. He talked about how he got up the next time. And he got up and he started praying, but he didn't get down on his knees where it was comfortable, where he could fall asleep. He just started pacing the room and he started praying. And he started having a tremendous life. I tell you, um, and this ain't hide uh, or holding Dell up on a pedestal or something, but he is my spiritual father. He's CJ's spiritual father. And I, and I tell you, the man has sowed so much in my life, but I'll tell you one thing he, he's always told us. And it, it's just something that always, always rings with me. Uh, it, it rings with a lot of us here because, because we use this, you know, you got to be definite. I don't know how many times Pastor Dell has told me, Todd, you got to be definite. You got to persist. And I tell you, with him speaking that and me seeing his life, that is one definite man right there. If we're going to put on the armor of God daily, y'all, we got to be definite. We got to be persistent. And this ain't beat you up. You're not doing it thing. Cause I don't know where all, all of your, your, your walks are with the Lord. And I'm glad I don't. I, I really am. And I, because I want that between, be between you and God. But what I want to do is exhort you and encourage you 
that, that you don't have to be in a specific place at a specific time knowing X amount of, of the Word of God to start this. You just got to say, you know what? I'm tired of these elements out here just, just kicking me around. I'm tired of these elements of the world saying I got to be this way. Because it tells us what? To put on some of the armor, doesn't it? What? It tells us to put all of it on. Because I happen to think that God probably knew we was going to need all of it. We need the truth. We need the, the word. We need a prayer life. We need character. We need morals. We need to be able to go, you know what? I love you. But that ain't the truth. Well, Father, we just thank you so much for what you did and what you are doing in us, Lord, so that you can flow freely through us. And, Lord, we do choose to be definite in taking on the full armor of God so that we can stand. Because we realize, Lord, that if we do not put on the full armor, then we will not be able to stand. And so, Lord, we choose to be definite by walking into your love, by spending time with you in prayer and in your word. That's how you want us to be definite, Father. Thank you for ministering to hearts today like only you can. Thank you for setting people free as you desire to. And we just love you and we give you honor and we recognize what you're doing in us, Father, and we, we cooperate with that. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.